This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> Emotions tend to be short-lived, fluid, but are real and deserve to be validated. We are supposed to feel an array of emotions and experience the diversities that every day brings us, even if most of our days are structured the same. The ability to think, feel, and empathize makes us human, present, and alive. Valerie Atelis interviews Leah Marone, a psychotherapist, speaker, and corporate wellness consultant. Leah's areas of expertise are managing stress and anxiety, building resilience, and creating healthy boundaries. She facilitates empowerment groups for women and is a contributing blogger for Psychology Today. Leah has a private practice in Charlotte, North Carolina, where she therapeutically works with individuals and families. When working with corporations and teams on improving productivity, Leah focuses on issues around connection, leadership, and mental health. Outside of work, Leah enjoys traveling, hiking, exercising, and writing. She played Division I basketball and currently coaches her daughter's soccer team. Meet Leah at leahmarone.com. Here is the interview with Leah Marone. In your own words, who is Leah Marone? Leah Marone is a space creator. And what I mean by that is I consistently and genuinely try to create safe spaces for other people to explore themselves, to feel, to feel nurtured. Um, I also am very aware of the space that I create for myself and try to be incredibly cognizant and deliberate with how I affect a space, how I interpret a space, and when I need to rejuvenate. So I think overall, it's I'm a space creator. How did you discover this, Liam? How did you realize this? I think a lot of it is just my work through mindfulness and presence and trying very hard throughout my day to be as present as I can. Um, and some moments are harder than others, but I think it's all about, yeah, connecting to the space, the environment, the people, the internal feelings, you know, it's just kind of, that's how you feel the most alive is when you're present and when you're kind of um, collecting and experiencing what's happening in that current time and space. So I hear that a lot and I have actually engaged myself in a lot of these practices, mindfulness, meditation, and being present without even trying to understand much about what 
presence was. So from your perspective or with your own words, how would you describe what presence is or what is to be present? I know you have been saying different things like being the experience of what's happening now in the moment, uh, the way I'm interpreting what you said. But for the audience and myself, what does it feel like? Is there a feeling behind this idea of being present? I think there is. I And it takes work. Um, but I think if you really start with exploring what your five senses are processing and taking in, um, even the basics of what you're hearing, of what you're seeing, of what you're smelling, what you're touching, how your body feels, the temperature, even just grounding yourself in the here and now with what your body and your sensory, you know, the sensory part of you is collecting is presence. And I think then that helps you dive deeper into deeper levels of emotional presence, of, you know, conversational presence, of all of those things where you are, again, soaking in the connection that you're building with other people, other things, other sensations, um, and really making an effort to stay in that moment and not engage in thoughts that are futuristic or anxiety-based or past-based. And it's, it's such a challenge for us overall as humans in our minds. But I think we can all reflect, even if this is something that you or anyone struggles with, you can reflect on a time, whether it was intense positive or emotions that we seem to seem to categorize as positive or negative emotions, like you felt something and you were engrossed in that moment of how, mm. what was happening. And I know we all can recall those things and that's mm. presence. That sounds wonderful to me and resonates. What I wonder is how can we become, be present with uncomfortable feelings? It seems like it's easier when we are having fun. Mm-hmm. How do we learn to do that? Or how do you do it, Leah? Right. I think one of the biggest things that I try to to help my clients with and that I try to practice myself is, you know, rather than kind of moving into that thought process of judgment or beating ourselves up for feeling something or, oh, here we go. I'm anxious again. I guess this is going to be, or I guess this is how this trip's going to be, or this experience is going to be. We kind of categorize it. We think um, all or nothing. We judge it rather than starting with validation, starting with that labeling of this is how I think I'm feeling. Even if it's two or three things, I may not like it. I may not think it's very comfortable, but this is where I'm at. And as a human, I'm going to have some fluidity with different things that I experience. And this is one of those times. And what that does is it not only keeps you grounded and present, but you validate, which moves you out of the, basically this judgment. And then you can move into other practices and other thought processes that move logic into the mix. So it's so quick to spiral into judgment, anxiety, and then you're, it's hard to pull yourself out. So it's that initial validation that's key. Is that what you call balance when we are able to validate, as you say, or understand feelings in the moment? Can we say that we now have found a place of harmony and balance or this is something else? Um, I think, I mean, I think that could be in the same arena. I think it's, it's, um, you know, when you feel balance, you feel peace and all the things associated with that. I do think there is this element of your inner critic loses some power. You understand kind of the input output of your energy and when you need to recover, how you're feeling, why you're feeling it, your behavioral patterns, you become more in tune with them. So I do think 
overall, there's never going to be an equal balance to this and that, but a balance and a peace occurs when you start to really make that interconnection and the way you talk to yourself and validate yourself becomes a more, um, I guess, a practice that just becomes more natural with a lot of practice, right? Yeah, <laughs> you said it's yeah. Difficult. It's interesting how we tend to, like I tended to think that there was a destination for this place called balance or joy or love or peace. But the more I experience life itself in a, in a deeper way, I see that everywhere is a destination. Being here now, feeling what I'm feeling, whatever the feelings are, it is the human place to be. There's no other place to go. It sounds like a practice, but it might be a shift too, right, Leah? A shift in perspective, uh, realization. Absolutely. That's exactly it. It's that mind shift and kind of like we were speaking about for that lens that you're looking looking yeah. through. Right. So let me ask you another question, an open question. If life had one purpose, one purpose only, what would that be? Oh, I really, I mean, I'm going to go a little out but I think it's connection. I really do. I know that's vague, but I think it's connecting with others. I think it's connecting with yourself. I think it's connecting with different environments and people and ways of doing things and foods and different ways to move your body. And I mean, I think it's just this connection and variety and connection can come in all sorts of ways. And so I really think, at least this is my perspective, when when I feel most alive, and it can be incredibly a simplistic, you know, atmosphere, but I feel connected, right? And, or, you know, if I'm talking with a friend or I'm speaking and I feel present and I feel their presence, I feel connected and I feel most alive. I love to hear that. I think I mentioned off record about interconnectedness. There's something about that that it drives us to help one another, to support one another. It's the most beautiful thing I can think of. It seems like something within us recognizes that life is about connection and then, or we are already connected anyway, and then now it's just finding expression for that connection, ways of getting deeper into it. And it's just such a beautiful experience to have that sense of that we are not alone. I remember feeling that way a long time ago. The way you speak sounds very spiritual to me. Do you have any spiritual practices or belief systems? You know, surprisingly, I, well, if we talk spiritual versus, I'm not religious in any way, but I would say spiritually, I think if I had to connect just how, you know, how I define spirituality for me, most of the times I find it in nature and I find it going on hikes, I find it outside. Um, but I think my spiritual practices really involve, um, validation and just self-check-ins. And I know that's, not, I don't know. So I don't know if that's, it's just a, that's an interesting question that I, I think I'd actually need to think more about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if you have to think about it. Um, I see everything as spiritual, everything. There's nothing that it's not spiritual. So in a way, we all here <laughs> as spiritual beings, spiritual something. What are some of the misconceptions we have about healing, Leah? 
Well, I think it's it's interesting. It's kind of something I think that you shared a, a few minutes ago where there's this final destination with healing. And I think healing is a process just as we have, you know, certain daily needs or we may have established or created this almost perfect sleep routine. But guess what? There's going to still be days that you feel tired or there's still going to be nights that you may not sleep very well. And so I think this healing is a way, it's a way to kind of be proactive in life um, and do the best that you can, but then also having the faith that your body is capable of so much healing. If you nurture it, if you're connected to it, your mind has the capability to heal. If you nurture it, if you're proactive, like there's so much healing that can take place, but a lot of it first and foremost deals with the efforts that you put in to care for yourself and um, again, connect with what you need and what you're, you know, craving and what you're lacking. With that in mind, what are some of the obstacles to healing that you have come across? Well, I think this question I'd love to share just in terms of, you know, when I have clients and and they come in and they say, I want to heal emotionally from this. I want to move on from this. And that is possible. But a lot of times it's interesting with healing, um, especially in, in the United States, we look at it as like we want to go to someone, whether it's a doctor, whether it's a clinician, whether it's someone and tell us exactly what to do and get that quick fix, and then we'll find relief. And I think healing has to be an interpersonal process that you get support from others with, but that that's the modality. And that's the modality I use is that I am here to support and not solve for you. And so some of the biggest obstacles in healing, again, is reframing that healing is a gray kind of journey rather than this black and white, all or nothing mentality. Ah, oh, yes, a billion times <laughs> to that truth. <laughs> and boy, I tried everything, really looking for the destination when it comes to healing, to be healed. That was what I was looking for. And then it's interesting now I found that the more I let go of that idea, the more healing seems to illuminate the conditions of mind and body. It is fun. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it becomes a lot more fun than looking for destinations. Another question I have about what you do is, um, as a healer, I consider yourself a healer. You're a psychotherapist, but a healer in my eyes. How do we find the right healer, the right therapist? Is that something that we must try many different modalities in different people? Or are there some advice or suggestions that you can give us that could make that journey easier in finding somebody to support us and guide us? Oh, that's a great question. So I think um, a lot of, a lot of therapists will, um, you know, if you, whether, however you find them, whether it's online, whether it's through a referral, whatever it is, a lot of therapists will, um, you can call them and kind of have this initial phone consultation or even, you know, virtual consultation for, you know, 10 or so minutes. And what you're really looking for, I think, during that time, whether it's just by phone or it's virtual or even if it's, you know, in-person consultation, is you're really trying to assess if there, I mean, there's always a bit of anxiety and there's always a bit of reservation and hesitation with, you know, moving into therapy and that's natural. But I think when you meet with someone that you feel a sense of calm, that you feel that they are going to let you basically be who you are and be where you're at, 
as well as um, the relationship is going to be pretty balanced in terms that it's not hierarchical. There's not someone overpowering. There's not, it's not just a, a place that you're going to get direct advice. This is somewhere and this is a safe space that you can generally feel right away and feel that connection. And I think that's so important. And, and you know, that if you can't, if you don't feel that initially, I keep, yeah. I keep looking. That makes me think about intuition of being very connected with the body, our body, so we know when we are feeling comfortable with something or someone. That has been very interesting because I had a lot of childhood issues and traumas. So mm-hmm. what I look for now, it's uh, I see those signs as triggers. So it's almost like the body's being triggered by some memory that's not at the intellectual level. I, I don't know what they are, but the body's reacting to something. I wonder if that goes away, Leah, when we are not triggered anymore by childhood traumas and abuse and all the hardships that we went through. It's still here. It mm-hmm. still happens, although the mind is not creating stories about it anymore. But the body feels like headaches and when I'm in the presence of someone that I'm not comfortable with. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. And that is something and that's your defense. That's that's how you that defense and protection. But it's interesting because um, it made me think of someone I just recently saw a few months ago and she came in and she definitely had a lot of a lot of trauma um, and recent trauma at that. And she came in and she immediately sat on the couch and she kind of, you know, made herself small and looked down. And and I said, um, we're just going to sit if that's what you'd like mm, to do. Yeah. <laughs> so we sat and we, we did that. And she, um, you know, I'd kind of check in like, is this still okay? And is that, and it was just our session. We maybe exchanged a few sentences and I think that's what she needed. And that's where she was at. And she came back and it was a different session the second time. And so I think it's one of those things where, you know, meeting with someone that you don't feel a sense of urgency, you feel as if you can be where you are and that there's not that judgment placed upon you or that sense of I need to conform. I need to share. I need to do this and that. That if you're feeling that out, outside of your own internal <laughs> dialogue, mm-hmm, yeah. then that's a good sign that that's probably not the best fit. How do you define what freedom is, Leah? Being free. Oh, I think again, just being able to be genuinely who you are and how you feel in that moment, um, without your own intense judgment and without others. I mean, I think, I think that is such when you can experience and kind of just, again, be where you're at, whether you're laughing and cutting up and having a grand old time, or you're just, you know, feeling incredibly small and and kind of broken in the moment and not feeling great, but you're able to kind of be in that space. I mean, that is freedom. I think that's freedom. It's funny you say that. I love, love your wisdom. I love the way you speak because it resonates true. To me, the lack of judgment, this non-judgmental space is love. That's what kindness really is. And if we can have that feeling within, then it becomes so much easier life, so much more fun. We're not responding to the judgment of others. So of whatever's happening out there, it's more happening within you and you are not in control, really. I wouldn't use that word, but... It's becoming more aware, isn't it, Leah? Self-aware of our Mm -hmm. own body, body and mind, that connection. So you are a psychotherapist and corporate wellness consultant. What was the inspiration and intention for doing what you do? 
Yeah, well, I um, let's see. So my mother is a therapist as well. So I think I grew up. Um, I grew up kind of watching her, um, and she was going through her education and her all all of her, you know, the things that she went through to become a clinician when I was young. And so watching her take that adventure, go through that adventure, was inspiring. And I think I um, I experienced a lot of anxiety growing up, mainly performance based. I was an athlete growing up, and I played. Um, basketball in college and, and just always had a lot of anxiety basically through, um, you know, one, if, you know, not making a mistake, I had a lot of perfectionistic qualities, especially through my athletics. And so I really battled with that. And I love, I've always loved just hearing people's stories. I've always felt incredibly honored when I can create a space for people to share something with me on an intimate level. Um, It's not only for my own learning, but I love helping people find that strength and resilience within themselves. So I also was very drawn to the field just because of the variety. Um, It's allowed me to work in so many different spaces with different people. And I I mean, I'm wired that way. I love change. I love rising to different challenges in in that way. So that really jives with who I am. And I think in terms of kind of moving into being a, um, a wellness consultant for corporations and nonprofits. I love the the micro level of therapy and the intimacy that that gives, that gives clients, that gives me. And, and I love that work, but I will say it can be somewhat isolating. It, I missed colleagues, if you will, or people that I could speak with and really um, dive deep into other things. And it was a little more um, challenging in a different way or that I was able to share. And so I've kind of moved into balancing my professional career with that micro intimacy level of therapy and then having the macro level of, you know, speaking with large groups and and working with companies on revamping their cultural, um, basically their culture and prioritizing mental health and how to do that and supporting HR teams and, you know, again, giving seminars and wellness seminars. And I think that's been such an amazing balance. And I've loved that piece in collaboration with my with my practice. The areas of expertise of yours are managing stress and anxiety, building resilience, creating healthy boundaries. Of course, I love them all. And creating healthy boundaries. This one has been a challenge for me as well. And so many of us have problems saying no. I think especially women for some reason, when we meant to say yes, when we meant to say no. So talk to me for a moment about how do we learn to create boundaries, Leah? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to share two tips about this. And the first one, it always kind of, it does, it starts with self-awareness. It starts with understanding when you're getting um, over, when you're overworking, when you're feeling depleted, when you need to push yourself, when you need to take a step back, because that's how we, you know, if we're if we're not aware of that, and and kind of saying no or or opting out or maybe you know redefining how we show up, that's when we kind of repeat the cycle of burning out, fizzling, you know, losing our patience, you know, kind of um, sabotaging certain relationships. And, 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 and we have more pieces to pick up. So it's really this framework and, you know, it, it does, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of self-check-ins to really understand what fills us up, what helps us feel connected, when we are validated, how we validate others, and if we're adding too much into our pile. And I think, you know, nowadays everything is so 
we operate with this sense of urgency. We don't want to be left out. We feel like we should. If we don't do this, then we're not a good enough this. And so there's so many pressures, so many ways to consume. And I think getting a handle on that is one of the first steps. Um, The second step, and this is a motto that I have had to really develop for myself and then I share with individual clients and teams and corporations, is this modality of supporting people and not solving for people. Mm, And as a clinician, I've really had to learn. I'll tell you what, I (laughs) came into the field Mm. wanting to, you know, oh my gosh, I want to fix, I want to help. And it's like, okay, first of all, who the heck are you to do all that? And second of all, it's um, it's too much. And so yeah. I think when I, you know, as a clinician or just even as a mother, even as a friend, I operate on this level of, I want to create that space. I want to support, but I need to be so aware of letting people own the emotions and the experience that they're going through because I have my own. And so if I start internalizing everything, if I start crossing back, boundaries, if I start, that's what depletes you. And that's what it doesn't work. And so I think one of the biggest things, if you're, if you're not able to, if you hear the word boundary or you're like, I feel tired all the time, or I'm getting involved in things, or I'm doing this, even emotionally, think about your relationships and your roles in life, whether it's professional, personal, thinking about supporting people through things, asking the right questions rather than giving direct advice Mm. and trying to solve for people. It's not setting up good dynamics. And that's what causes that burnout, that fatigue and that anxiety. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yep. Listening to you, I'm like, I'm just going through the things that kind of I do to bring myself to that point of not burnout, Mm -hmm. but anxiety. After listening to you now, what came to me is empathy in being an empath. That is really becomes a real challenge, right, Leah? Mm. Oh, yes. Because now we feel everything. I mean, I know the practice that you speak of is becoming more self-aware. So now we're not taking in feelings that are not ours. How can we be empathic, but at the same time, interdependent? Yeah. So one of the best tactics, because again, I'm, I've struggled with this myself um, and brought things home and, you know, had sleepless nights. But I will say one of the best things to do that still shows and requires such a high level of empathy is that when you are talking with someone and they are experiencing something that's really difficult or, or, you know, sharing or expressing a lot of difficult emotions, the way that you is you first and foremost, you validate or you paraphrase or you say, oh my gosh, no, I can tell this is really difficult or it sounds like this or whatever. What that does is it immediately shifts you into this role where not only are you creating space and allowing them to feel it, but instead of going to that role where we start to scramble and we start to think, what can I do? Okay, what do I do to, to help them not feel this way? Okay, maybe they should try this. Maybe I should do that. Oh, it's probably my fault because I did this and like we start to scramble and that's when that's internalization. We, our ego actually is taking over and we're taking too much ownership and it's diverting our ability to allow that person to get some full processing out and to really be real with where they're at. And so that first statement or that first nonverbal or that first level of comfort that you provide is acknowledging that you understand what they're trying to communicate or that you're going to try to understand what they're communicating and and helping them label that emotion. Then you can move into 
it, it just changes the whole dynamic, doesn't it? And yeah. it lets them have ownership and you're there to support. I think something too is like, you know, and I, I do this with, with clients and family and just in general, you know, you let someone share and you kind of are supporting. And then it's very powerful to, you know, in your own way to kind of ask them just, you know, this is really tough or this is really hard. In what way can I help? In what way can I support? Or what what would best, what do you need from me? Or how can I be there for you? That again is a way to remind them that they have ownership, that they're, it's, it's empowering actually, because you're not solving. They have to do some of the work, which is going to help them overall. And it also is reiterating to yourself that's that is their experience and you have your own but you're there and you want them to help you help guide you because how many times have you talked with someone and you're trying to share and you really maybe just want to vent mm-hmm. or just have that space and they yeah. immediately jump into oh well, this is what you should do, do why that, didn't you yeah. do this or why did it like, oh. yes. <laughs> yeah so so true yeah and it, it becomes overwhelming now you have too much information, your own and somebody else. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you. I actually have a lot more questions that I can ask because of the time. But talk to me for a moment about the imposter syndrome. That caught my attention reading the blog posts on your website. Yeah, imposter syndrome. It's been a big buzz phrase, I think, for the last several years. And um, I talk a lot about because it's been stereotypically, you know, just just something that women experience. And imposter syndrome is when you basically feel like an imposter. So you feel like other people um, basically are seeing through you. They're like, oh, you know, she or he's not capable enough or, you know, this is they're a fraud or, you know, I'm not capable. So it's this lack of confidence or this um, kind of inner dialogue or inner monologue that goes on that, you know, is basically shattering, (laughs) is taking you away from the present. And a lot of times what I've found is a lot of people that are dealing with this from the outsider on paper are highly confident, capable, um, and how we kind of define success for people. And so it's really, I think a lot of times there's this um, perfectionistic quality that's kind of intertwined in this. There's this competitiveness. There's this, you know, just tendency to compare, tendency to always be on the go, tendency to. So there's so many personality qualities that are tied in with this self-sabotaging behavior versus it just being a stereotypical female thing. And when it comes to personality, it seems like we are, have all these parts, right, Leah? I have heard for the first time about uh, maybe a year ago about parts work, or I think it's called internal family systems. Uh-huh. Yeah, that really kind of um, made it clear for me, something that I already knew but didn't have words for it, that we have so many different parts within us trying to drive our lives. And I wonder how some people, they become so solid in one part. I wonder if that's possible, actually. Is there such a thing as a central personality that drives all our behaviors and our thoughts and and our experiences? Hmm. Well, I think you're kind of moving into, yeah, where the ego steps in, where the other parts of the brain, yeah. And, uh, you know, just again, trauma weighs into that a lot, too, in our our protection. So, yeah, I mean, though our personalities can be can be swayed in a lot of different ways just based on our experience. But I think our true essence and kind of what we how we like to show up. I don't know. I'd like to believe that that's something that we're kind of born with to a certain degree. And that's just kind of hopefully nurtured as we go. Mm, And it's always there. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I love this idea, too, that there's something here that's has been always here and 
it's just kind of um, sometimes become covered by all these other parts, traumatized parts, and then, but it's always there and it never went away. I love to believe that. I always, I know, and I always tell people in therapy too, you know, they're like, I wish I was this again, or I used to be like this, or, and then this happened and I can't, I I just, you know, and a lot of times when they're feeling depression and depressed and things like that, and it's so interesting to use kind of similar to what you just said, I always say, you know what, that part of you is still there. It's just dormant. There hasn't been space for it. We need to tap back into it. We need to fuel it. It's kind of out of shape, if you know. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, you got to get it back in shape. So we yeah. gotta we gotta be more deliberate, and then it'll become more natural, just like if you were training for a marathon, right? <laughs> yes, I love that. That's interesting. You say that. That makes a lot of sense. I love these metaphors too. They help. <laughs> I love your wisdom, Leah. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank. You. My pleasure here. I love something that I I read on your website. You write, emotions tend to be short-lived, fluid, but are real and deserve to be validated. We are supposed to feel an array of emotions and experience the diversities that every day brings us, even if most of our days are structured the same. The ability to think, feel, and empathize makes us human, present, and alive. I love this because it is so true. The array of emotions, of feelings, we're here to feel. That's what the human experience seems to be all about. So I love the way you write this because it's it's very clear. It resonates true. So let's see. I do have a few more questions, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything else, Leah, that we didn't cover? Oh, I think the main thing, and I know many of you've probably heard this, especially over the last two years or so, but I think the biggest the biggest last plug I'd like to say is is please give yourself grace. Give yourself grace. Be very aware of the expectations that you put on yourself and of others. And don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean just kind of sitting back and let life take you by <laughs> by the ankle. But I think it's it's just really being respectful to ourselves and kind to ourselves and knowing that we are going to go through some very hard things and things that we may fabricate ourselves, but that it's that there is a way to get out of that. It starts with really decreasing that judgment and that inner critic. My last questions are, let me see, I'll ask two questions. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? Ooh, I love this question. I actually was just speaking with someone about this the other day. Um, I, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think the stereotypical, uh, I'm just using American view of success, you know, a lot of it is being busy, (laughs) being being sought after, always having something to do. Um, And, you know, when people ask how you're doing, it's like, oh, stressed, oh, busy. It's like, I'm, I'm important enough to have this type of lifestyle, which I, it's so interesting because I met, um, I was speaking with um, a woman a few weeks ago and I didn't know her, but I, we had gotten to a conversation And I walked away from that conversation feeling like that woman was one of the most successful people I've ever encountered, not because of what her profession was, not because of what she had on and what she drove and all the the things that, you know, are monetary, monetary things. But she had, again, such a grace, such wit, such confidence in how she spoke and how she showed up and what just, I I feel like she had something down where how she was playing the game, but not letting the game play her, if that makes sense. And 
I feel like once you, and it's a journey, but once you've kind of reach or at least bite off a piece of that, you get it where you're kind of moving through the world and you know you don't have much control, but you capitalize on the things that you can, it's going to bring you or allow you to have this open heart and open mind to be successful in the people that you connect with and the things that come your way. And so I know that's kind of long-winded, but I just, I feel like that I was so, so enamored by her and just her presentation. And she wasn't even trying. (laughs) Right, right. Oh, I love to hear that too. What do you think that there's something about when you talk about this woman that um, what comes to me is uh, a sense of interconnectedness and inner peace. She has access to that place that we spoke earlier, a true nature. So it's always there. So we can do anything, but it's still the, the flavor, the scent of that. It's in everything we do. That is really beautiful. And it's the way to live, to experience this life, um, in my opinion. I love the way you said too, you said that about the playing the game, but not letting the game play you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My last question is, what are three things you wish everyone to experience before they lose the body, before they die? Oh, I think full belly laughs Mm -hmm. to where you're crying at the same time. Like that as much Uh, as possible. (laughs) I love that. Yes. I think that is just one of the most, it's so funny because I feel like that's such an amazing cleanse, you know, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's one, as much as that can happen. <laughs> yes. I think being somewhere in nature, and it could be somewhere extravagant or for you or far away, or it could be in your own little, where you where you reside. But I think, you know, when you go outside and whether it's in the morning, whether it's during the day, and you really can just take a moment and you can just feel all the amazingness happening around you. You can feel the sun, you can pause. And again, it's it's really tapping into those five senses. And I think we forget that we, we need that and we forget sometimes how to do that. And it's unfortunate that we have to almost schedule that in now, which is how we live. And that's something that I think can easily be obtained and easily reachable for anybody. It's just doing it. And the third one, I think, I mean, it's going to sound abstract, but I think feeling loved. And and I think in moments where you're with another person and you, you can totally lose track of time, whether it's just through holding, being held, holding someone, whether it's through conversation, whether it's through really feeling like that person sees you and hears you and wants more of you. I think that's such a wonderful feeling. And I think the way that we're all capable of that, but I think the way you get there is you got to find that um, vulnerability with yourself first. I love your wisdom. Yeah, laughter, nature, and love. In a way, everything becomes love in the end. (laughs) Uh, This big ball of love. I love your presence, Leah. It's uh, beautiful to see that human beings exploring this, what we call life It's the most beautiful thing, just to listen to you speaking these things that resonates true to the heart. It's um, no words even. Thank you so much for being open, for being you and being open to life. Oh, thank you so much. I've loved this. I've loved talking with you. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your services, products and future projects? 
Sure. Well, you can go to my website, which is leahmarone.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn or you can email me at leah at leahmarone.com. Wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile too. Thank you again, Leah. And we'll talk soon. Bye for Thanks. now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Leah Marone and her work, please visit leahmarone.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.